1: this week, my guest is life coach and speaker, Elliot Vang. Elliot has an amazing story of growing up in, in a tragic situation with the death of his father. Growing up one of seven kids and able to walk on at, college, at the college football level and play college football. And then we talk about life coaching. And then we get into his fear of the unknown And playing it safe, which is something I totally struggle with constantly. I always worry that I'm not, that I'm just playing it safe and not taking too much of a risk. Especially when it comes to my comedy. So let's get into the interview right now with Elliot Vang. Alright, my guest is life coach Elliot Vang. Elliot takes a holistic approach to life coaching and tries to high performance coach you into a better life. Elliot, how are you doing this evening?
0: I'm doing well, Ryan. I'm doing well. I'm I'm awesome. Excited to be on with you, and thank you for allowing me to be on your platform.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, when you say high performance, what does that really kind of entail? Because you take a hol- you say you take a holistic approach to life coaching. So, tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so what high performance is, is basically performing at higher levels um, over the long term, right? So is it sustainable? Is it something that you can maintain over the long term? And high performance can mean many different things to many different people. So that's why I say, you know, uh, usually people attribute high performance to athletes or CEOs, and yes, but also a teacher, a student, a stay at home parent can be a high performer, right? Because high performance can mean for some people at different stages in life, hey, putting on their socks every day, right? That's they're exceeding at higher level of their norm and building upon that.
1: Okay. So it's a lot, it's a lot of you know, just, I guess, fulfillment as far as feeling like you maximize the time you had rather than go as you're going to bed, look at all these things left undone. It's a way to kind of get through those into, I guess, maximize your time usage in those i guess in whatever it is you're trying to accomplish
0: correct right being productive being efficient uh, making sure that you are not just checking off tasks that you're completing every day but then are you being uh, purposeful with your time are you um using your time the best way that you would like to use it
1: i'm not real i'm not really good at purposeful i don't know give me a little bit more of what purposeful i guess for your time means
0: like, are you are you are you just being busy? Say, like for instance, somebody um, that is at home, are they just folding laundry all day? Like that's just keeping busy, right? Or are you serving your pur- purpose by saying, "I am intentional about spending time with my spouse. I am intentional about spending time with my family, and that's what I want to do." That folding the laundry can wait, right? Can you could put that off?
1: My friend Mallory will will greatly appreciate that because that's that's her favorite task to put off is the the folding laundry so (laughs) so she could i'll I'll give her that that you're being purposeful with your time you're not you're not just putting off laundry you're being purposeful (laughs) in other things like eating cheese are you
0: sure you want to give her that card
1: (laughs) sure you you're you're not eating cheese you're being purposeful with with your cheese consumption so that's that's an awesome way to look at it to kind of Find the little motivating factors and the kind of the minutia that you do, rather than lump it all in as tasks. In yeah. That. So, where are you, where are you based out of? Do you?
0: I'm in uh, Minnesota, so okay. Minnesota is home for me. Born and raised here. Um, I spent most of my, majority of my life here, uh, except four years out in the East Coast in the Boston area.
1: Okay. So, definitely, I can see. Definitely can be attributed in Minnesota with weather, with weather being what it is and winter snowing you in potentially for for days that you have to be purposeful. And there are times where you just have to, I would say that your time kind of gets, I would say, away from you because you're just either too busy, you're busy, you know, preparing for sn- snow weather, whether it be cutting firewood, things of that nature, just preparations for I guess, a winter in Minnesota versus here where I'm in Dallas, Texas, which we kind of got a brief intro yeah, you, to that. <laughs> yeah.
0: You, you you all in Down South did get a little intro to what we go through over like a four or five month period, right? And you, yes. you got like a little taste of it while we get here.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, our taste also, it was a kind of bitter because our I guess the way our electrical grid is confirmed, we don't yes we don't we don't have any power i guess where we can sap mm-hmm. from another kind con- or state so when our power was out it was out <laughs> and so, yeah
0: yeah and you've never experienced it right so yeah. how can you prepare for it, right at least here in minnesota we expect it we know it's coming so mm-hmm. we prep for it and 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 the data it does hit then we're stay at home um you know, we have shovels, we have snow plows where they could clear the roads for us, like down south. I mean, it's yeah foreign to you. you did something like that, and it it just it shuts it literally shuts down the city, right? Mm-hmm. So
1: because yeah, he you you guys have like snow like roof different specification because you gotta yeah. hold the weight of snow. Yeah, yes. Unexpected as ice on wires where it just pulls power lines down here because it's not used to the weight extra weight of just ice just forming on those power lines.
0: Correct. Correct.
1: Definitely, definitely, a learning experience that I'm glad is over. Glad we're back to 70 degree weather like we deserve, and that we we deserve just...
0: well earned 70 degree weather. Yes.
1: yes. Soon it'll be a hundred, but right now let's just <laughs> cherish the 70. <laughs> so, what got you into life coaching? What made you, co- you know, come to this as your, I guess, passion, if you will.
0: I would say I kind of fell into it, but you know I've been preparing it for it for my whole life, right? Because I've been one who, when people are stuck somewhere or have some kind of challenge, they come to me, right? I want to say that I have all the answers, but people come to me, and um, I never thought of this as a profession, right? I was like, oh, this. I just kind of fell upon it, but I was lucky that I did because I was always searching for that that it or that more or, Mm -hmm. or um, what else is next for me, right? I was married, had kids, had a job, but kept still searching for that extra piece that I just didn't have. And luckily for me, that's when I fell into coaching. I went through coaching myself and it's like, this is it. This is that it that I've been looking for. Um, Because in the struggles that I went through, you know, I get to help people with their struggle of being stuck, their Mm -hmm. challenge of what do I need to do to get to the next level? Right, I just, I know there's more, but I just don't know what to do.
1: Okay. That's awesome. Do you use that on your children? Have you, have you had to life coach any of your kids to get better grades or maximize their oh, performance? It's cool.
0: Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I would say I'm guilty <laughs> of that.
1: <laughs> I was going to say that that's got to, I'll have to feel like one of your big bugaboos has got to be the cell phone, like them just, like screen time is the
0: oh yes
1: the biggest there's a
0: limitation there's you know a a quota that they can't exceed right it's like hey you you use your time wisely because if you use it all early what are you gonna do the rest of your day right so play it sparingly um, schedule your time make sure that you are on it because if you exceed that time then there will be consequences right the consequences that be like taken midway, last time tomorrow kind of thing like mm-hmm. you know we play play with that a little bit
1: that's 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 really good though it teaches them kind of almost to find something else that they enjoy because mm-hmm. screen time when screen time's limited you can't you can't overuse it you can't be so immersed in it that that's all you have and so i i, fi- I find that be you know such a great way to go because then they can maybe find a book series that they like yes Or paint. Maybe they like to paint or art. Something, some some creative endeavor.
0: Yes, and they don't realize it that when they're on their screen, they're in their bed, they're sitting in their chair, but they're slouching over. Right. So their Mm -hmm. posture is all out of whack. And yeah, when they're young, they might not be feeling that, but as they get older, there will be ramifications to that. They will feel the effects of their posture uh, when they were younger. So.
1: That's good that I for, I totally forget about posture because we just had those terrible desks when I was a kid. Like it was just the, <laughs> the wood desk with the one side that had desk, the other side, yeah. the other side was just open, and you just kind of tried to you couldn't slouch in it because if you did, like you just had some piece of metal buried in your back, and so it forced you, yes, it forced you a port with indestructible steel to sit properly all the time I just never even thought of that too like because again i grew up before pre-technology like i've kind of grown up with technology so like i've grown up with the advent of the tv remote the vcr and things like that so it's kind of all come and gone so i remember a time when we didn't have it versus now kids from you know the 90s on don't remember a time when they didn't have cell yeah, phones
0: no. yeah yeah like we will watch shows, you know, like that would um, go back a little bit and it'll be like the flip cell phones or these giant things, you know, that they had to pull out the antenna and they're like, what is that, dad? That's what a cell phone used to look like, right? Or what's what's that thing ringing on the wall, right? It's like, oh, that's a, a landline. That's a house phone, okay? so
1: <laughs> Yeah. It is definitely an interesting thing to watch like shows now that can go back and realize how old you are and like how much different technology is, is now versus then. Like if you watch stranger things or something like that yes, to, yes. to realize how, how much we did outside without technology, like walkie talkies, which were like five feet and you just, all of a sudden you couldn't, they start cutting out on you. But we thought that was, you know, so cool. And you know, the Morse code,
0: Yeah, that was the coolest thing, right? Hey, i have a walkie. Hey, why don't you start walking and see how, test how far we can actually still hear each other, right? Keep walking. I still hear you. I still hear you. That was the coolest thing to have. Like we, when you and your buddies had walkie-talkies and you just kind of, hey, turn it, let's go to a different channel and try different channels and stuff like that.
1: So when you, what questions do you, would you ask somebody as far as for life coaching? What question would you say that you would ask the most? of somebody like which question do you think when they say they're stuck is the first question really that that they need to find the answer to
0: um you know the first approach would be kind of like taking an overall assessment of where they currently are at Mm -hmm. um just to let them know hey it's okay with where you are right wherever you're at be comfortable with that because that's all you know you don't know beyond that but then and then looking at where do you want to go right what is that Big goal or big dream you have, and and then me as their coach will hold that for them, and then bringing them back to present day, right? And then saying, okay, what is not even thinking about the next two steps? What is the next step you could take towards that goal, right? So that they're not thinking too far ahead, and they can take that the next action step, and just look at that, right? Just keep building those baby steps and work towards where you want to go.
1: See, that kind of reminds me of the movie Up in the Air when that guy's getting fired, and he asks him, you know, he looks at his resume and says, you took cooking school, you minored in cooking. He's like, maybe... I don't rem- Okay. There's a scene where one of the guys gets fired, he's like, what am I supposed to do now? And the Anna Kendrick flubs, and then uh George Clooney looks at his resume and says, oh, I see you minored in cooking. He talks about, like, his passion for cooking. He's like, maybe now that's the time, this is... Our way of saying that's time for you to maybe pursue cooking. Like he just completely, you know, took this angry guy and was like, you know, it seems here you like cooking. You know, what if you gave that a try? You know, maybe now is, you know, with this little money, you can start putting yourself towards doing something you love, like cooking, instead of doing a job which just pays the bills.
0: Yes. Yes. And that's what it's about, right? Take back that control, take back. Um, those decisions that you've been giving to everybody else or living everybody else's dream, but not yours and take back that control and say, what is it that I truly want? Right. Like the example you gave, Hey, he minor in cooking. You've been talking about it. Go for it. And then that triggers something in him. It's like, yeah, you are right. When I minor, I decided to minor in cooking because I love it. I want to do something with cooking. Go for it. Right
1: gosh that that just gives me anxiety just thinking of somebody trying to push you to something you love because it's like I want to but I also it's also a scary scary thing to to say I'm doing it because it feels like you're you're like you're doing trapeze without a net at that point and you're like oh this this could you know this could you know this how do I how do I keep this going up instead of how do I keep myself on the trapeze and not you know how do I not lose my grip or how do I how do I swing to the next trapeze?
0: Don't look down. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. and don't look down because yeah,
1: that's where your negativity definitely will be.
0: Yes, that's where all those thoughts are running in your mind of oh my gosh I'm gonna fall this is, I'm fall to my death this I, I can't survive this fall. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend that's that's going into therapy full time, and that was one of the. Things that, you know, she's like, she was, you know, starting a counseling ship by her, you know, her own counselorship while also working with this, I guess, online counseling service that provided her clients. And then here lately she's, you know, dropped to doing the for that service and just gone for herself, mm. which, you know, it, in one session has got to be frightening because it's like, oh, this is, it's all on me now. And so you've got to yeah. do all the things to market promote
0: yeah
1: build a client base and stuff like that and just start to work and it's just terrifying even as a comic like i i I, shudder, I struggle with putting myself out there and trying to you know i see people not even in comedy trying to promote on youtube or tiktok or whatever whatever new videos you know or thing that they can come out with now to to keep people engaged
0: but then and then I'll also let people know, like people that I work with, right? It's like you are one of how many people in this world, right? One of eight billion people. There's no one else like you out there. Of eight billion people, there's only one of you. So you are unique in your own way. You're awesome in your own way. And just let that play out, right? Just let it show.
1: I definitely, I'm definitely working towards it. It's getting better. <laughs> Just like my comedy, it's getting better. It's one of those things, too. When you do comedy, sometimes you, when you see the early results of what you're trying to achieve, you kind of all of a sudden you realize you kind of I don't know if it's either the inner critic that's overcorrecting or if it's just the honesty of I could use a little more work and you just kind of put those down. And so it becomes then a weight on your shoulder is like, am I is it too soon to put this out here or, you know, like a comedy video for say. You know, am I am I putting out something that's that's not worth being seen, or it's just something that if I just try this again a little bit later next time it'll be better, and I'd rather put that better effort out than the really rough draft that I have right now.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's the thing we all like when when I work with my clients, right? They will say, "But I can't do this or can't do that, or so and so is doing this and doing that." I was like, "You are comparing your chapter one." To their chapter 10, right? Yes, of course it can be further along. They've already done their chapter one through nine. They've put in that work, they've put in that effort. You are starting at ch- your chapter one and be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Cause the more you keep working at it, you're gonna get to your chapter 10. And then somebody else starting their chapter one is gonna look at you and be like, oh my gosh, look what so-and-so is doing. Look at them, like, and then their focus is off of them and then to, to somebody else. Right. So just bringing back that energy and that focus to yourself so that you could just keep honing your craft, working your craft. Right. I mean, you as a, as a comic, a comedian, how much have you grown from when you first started? Right.
1: Yes, I, I definitely have grown a lot. It's def again, this is kind of where this podcast came from is it's kind of applying my joke writing process to people's fears, which you have a really interesting fear go ahead and tell the audience what you're afraid of.
0: Yeah, so I'm still I've improved in it and but I'm still working at it, right? <laughs> that fear of the unknown. And it's not like a big a big fear of the unknown, but my fear of the unknown is I've been playing it safe, uh, staying in my comfort zone and making sure that I know um like 90% of what's going to happen next before I take that step.
1: Which is such a which Comparatively to what you do, seems like the one thing you wouldn't be is that you're, you're always, you're like, let's go, let's do it, let's, let's find a way to do this. But then I can, I totally also see that too is like, you, yeah, this is my job, but at home, there's, there's me to consider. And so I have to, I have to take things a little slower. Or that's such a, that's such a fascinating, I, I guess, how you can put that aside. And help and be so supportive for others but then on your own end to think oh a little too risky yet
0: because of the work that i know i've done on myself mm-hmm. that i could see it in the people that i work with that i help go through that right yes i'm fortunate enough that i fell into what i'm doing so that i've been able to work on this fear, and mm-hmm. like of course, we're not going to know what's going to happen. We we can't predict the future. If yeah. We could predict the future. We'll be doing something way more, right? The government would be like yeah. taking us to do something else, right? Yeah, but it's okay.
1: Or it wouldn't be fun at all because you just know everything that's going to happen.
0: Exactly. Yes, right. Like Back to the Future, right? I mean, you know, Michael J. Fox. He started betting and and because he knew what was going to happen, right? So it was like, okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, I definitely like people are like, wouldn't you want to know how you die? I'm like, no, I was like, that makes, that makes everything more, you know, less important than what I do. I, it Mm -hmm. takes the joy out of doing something. Now it becomes a homework assignment that I've got to rush this all because I may die in a week. So now I have to, you know, I have to completely sit here and figure out my bucket list, prioritize all this stuff when I can just do it naturally. Even if I'm supposed to die in a year, I just do what I've wanted in six months. And it's just a natural joy.
0: Yeah. Imagine if we all knew the day we're going to die, right? We wouldn't be, we would not enjoy this process. We're, we'll all be having our eyes on that one day, regardless of what that day is. If it's a year out, two years out, 10 years out, our attention and focus would be on that day. Oh my gosh, I'm one day closer to that day. I'm going Mm -hmm. to die. Yeah. How fun is that? Like you said,
1: And so how did how did this start? Like did did something trigger this fear or is it just always been kind of you've never been really the the high the high wire risk taker?
0: I've never been as far back as I can remember when I was a kid. I was always been told to play it safe. Right. It's like stay in your lane, stay in your comfort zone, play it safe. Make sure you know a lot of the stuff that's going to happen next before you actually take that step um and there wasn't a moment there was a uh, a certain instance that mm-hmm. i recall it's just from as far back as i can remember it's just hey stay in your lane, stay in your comfort be safe take the safe route
1: does that come from your parents like have they all because i could see that being like a mom or dad thing just because they don't want you to they don't want you some parents you know try to prevent fail by you know saying okay take take the, take the safer option, you know, that's going you know, what's going to work out there. So, you know, take that one rather than the high risk, you know, chase the dream.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, my mom was, my dad passed away when I was young, um, tragic car accident, he passed suddenly. And then my mom was uh, left to my mom and dad were am- immigrants to the U S and then they were, my mom was left to raise seven kids on her own. And my dad was the breadwinner. He was going to bring in money. My mom probably had a, a equivalency of a second grade reading level. So she would always tell us, go to school, come back home, go to school, come straight back home. Like we couldn't participate after school activities. We couldn't do anything that um, involves staying after school. It's was just go to school, come back home, go to school, back home. And once, even once we were home, it's like, can I go out with my friends? No, no. Right. So as I said, play it safe. And, you know, my mom always kept us close to her. Because she was afraid of things that can happen to us. Mm -hmm. And in my childhood, yes, when I was growing up, I could have made one or two bad choices and I would have been doing drugs, joining a gang, uh, went down that road, But which I was fortunate. Now, looking back, I'd say, oh, that's why mom told us to not go out, not do this, not Mm -hmm. do that, and stay close to to her.
1: Yeah, I mean, there... There usually is a method like there a lot of times the intent is good, but there are some times where it's like, okay, you know, there are times when maybe you missed out an opportunity. Yeah. And so I totally get where she's coming from. I mean, especially with with that. I don't want to go through that again. I mean, because it can only be compounded when it's a child, you know, losing Mm -hmm. a loved one is painful. But if it's a child, that's got to be even more. So I, I could totally see that you know, the aspect of I want to see them and make sure I, I am aware and they are ca- accounted for as much as I possibly can.
0: Yeah. And and I didn't have the opportunity to, I guess, you know, like spread my wings and fly, right? When I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, when I was growing up and, you know, it wasn't until later on and I was like, oh, this is what this means, right? Like I didn't have any exotic foods when I was younger so I Mm -hmm. didn't eat like uh, seafood um, anything too extravagant right it's like oh stick with your chicken pork and beef and vegetables and stuff and it was just that right so I didn't have anything too out there until I was a little bit older and was able to experience things on my own
1: okay so do you apply any of your mom's tactics to your kids like do you feel like do you let I know you don't keep them all at home all the time as much as you'd like to <laughs> at some points, like I'm sure that, you know, sometimes that's that's super, you know, it's beneficial to, to have that family time. I think the pandemic has done mm. wonders for a lot of families communication just because there's so much more time that you're not able to go out. You're not able to go out with see friends. You're You're kind of confined to home, you know, for the most part. So it definitely probably rings like get used to for you like it's very a little nostalgic to just come home and you're home you know you didn't go out mm-hmm. and so i can i totally see that like you probably have a really close bond with a lot of your siblings and things of that nature yeah we are
0: yeah we're very close um and then going back to your question about my kids my wife and i are uh, on the same page about hey let's let them explore let's let them uh get out there and fail right mm-hmm. but explore with a leash on them we, we, we still are still they're still close enough to us so that if something does happen they fail they um whatever happens is not what is expected then we can have that conversation around that piece yeah so that they don't go down the rabbit hole of uh, failure or I'm uh, no good or stuff like yeah. that
1: and that and that has got to be such a it's such a balancing act because you again, like you say, you want them to go out. You want them to to have these new experiences and things of that nature. But it's also it can be if if they they they're passionate. They have they find something they like, but it's something they turn out to not be good at. Like sports is a huge example. You know, so many kids love sports, but only so many kids can really yeah. excel athletically. Yeah. You can only reach a certain physical point. You know, physical peak, and if that physical peak is not kind of grazing the area that other people's base is at. Cause that's how I was. I was slow and unathletic, but I love playing baseball and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's bittersweet that you have to put that down, but you, it's one of those things too, where as a parent, you have to, you know, maybe you're not cut out for this. We just got to find your next, your next big passion.
0: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm and totally right because in sports everything is measured how fast you are how strong you are how tall you are how much you weigh like all of that is measured and they measure everything oh how how big is your hands how big are your feet uh how big is your waist how big is your your bottom right your butt like they all measure that's all measured now if you don't fit a certain fall into a certain grouping or Mm -hmm. bubble that they will like then you're kind of not accepted or not, oh, he's not draftable. No, we can't have mm-hmm. him or her. Right. So um yes, and having that conversation and uh talking about sports, I come from a, a sports coaching background. And we would, you know, high school and college and we would have the conversation. Oh, I want to go to the NFL, I want to play an NBA. Mm-hmm. Awesome dream. But and then we have a reality conversation. Do you know how many high school players play this sport? How many go to college? How many go on to the pros? Right. And they mm-hmm. see these numbers and such a small percentage and like, Oh wow. I didn't know it was only 1% that makes it to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's a very,
1: it's a very exclusive. Per, and I was going to say the word I, I would call it's percentile. Cause I'm a, I'm a football nerd. So it's like, you know, you, you have to be like in the 98th percentile, which is like the, mm-hmm. the highest of the, the, the highest of elitist group. And even then, it's not guaranteed you could you could basically be behind somebody that's even in the 99th percentile who's just Mm -hmm. you know knocking it out of the park as a yeah it'd be like playing quarterback and you know going to kansas city chiefs and having to try to compete with patrick mahomes and
0: exactly and that's what happened to alex smith right number one overall draft pick (laughs) what happened to him he was a placeholder for Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes and you know, he's out the door. Right. So.
1: Who is also a placeholder for Colin Kaepernick. Like
0: he's,
1: (laughs) he's definitely somebody, you know, like that I've, you know, looked at and as a growing up, you know, as a kid that was a football nerd, like I wanted to be a coach and it's like, well, coaching probably involves you going to have to, you're going to have to play football and you're not, I'm not built for football. I'm five foot seven, a hundred pounds. There's, there's no way I'm getting out of there unscathed. I'm not get, I'm not making it through a single practice without some sort of, of traumatic injury. And so I really
0: surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I, I'm five foot six and I was probably 135 soaking wet. Right. And I was, able, I, I played and um, I didn't think that I could play, but you know, was, hey, I was able to play and yes, I got crushed and I, was like the target of these guys who are 6'2", 6'3", and 300 plus pounds, right? But you'd be surprised at how you can, because what what's great about football, you talk about football, is there's so many positions that there is, if you can have some kind of uh, specialty, mm-hmm. that there's a spot for you on the team, right? So.
1: My spot would be probably warming up the that bench for the other players. That's fine. <laughs> your specialty is you can you can sit around and keep things warm for us. That's you're doing a great job. Just keep it up. But I I totally get that. It's definitely as fear of unknown and playing it safe. That's something I I did that before I did comedy. I did a lot of jobs and I don't have a college degree, and so I had to work and. I worked until like 2006, you know, just trying to survive. And then everything, I guess I had a DUI and everything kind of crumbled around me. Like all my, my jobs, I was working nights and then that job let me go. And so I was trying to start over basically Mm in my thirties with a high school. I still play it safe, even though I'm decent at comedy. Like there's no way I can fathom myself quitting my job. In pursuing comedy full time, just because I'm in my 40s, if this, if I were to pursue this with no net and it, it didn't work, or if it wasn't a, it's not a, it's not a career that you can retire in. It's a career that basically, when people are, are tired of watching you, just evaporates. And so, if you don't maximize or you know make millions or a sustainable income that you can save against you're just you're basically just doing a, a mill a minimum wage ish kind of job that pays you until you can't get work anymore and then you have to try to find something else and explain why you haven't worked in 5 or 6 years why you have nothing on your resume because you can't put, you know, stand up comedian. Yeah. It's not a it's not a career path. And so it's it's definitely uh, play it safe because it's I I'm good at it but at the same time I'm not I know I'm not good enough you know to I guess make that a lasting career I can maybe make it a job where it's mm-hmm. like a year or two and then all of a sudden I'm panicking and having to try to find a way to to subsidize or finance my way through life
0: well what if you're doing that and then when you people are I guess, pushing out the door. Now you can kind of make the transition and say, hey, I'm gonna uh, help these up and comers who are new, who are young and trying to get into this um, specialty of being a stand-up comic, right? And now you can make that transition of, okay, I'm gonna coach these guys and gals who want to learn more how to do it, how to write. Like, those are things that you can, that's an option. True.
1: The only hard part is, is as those people are definitely instant gratification and don't understand how much time it takes to really grow in that profession. It's people see you know last comic standing and all these all these things that romanticize stand up comedy. Yes, like the show HBO show crashing or I'm dying up here, where it makes it seem like oh if. If people are just laughing at you it's just it's just a ma- it's just a matter of times you do it before somebody's going to give you a career and it doesn't work that way because there's a lot of internal growth there's a lot of I would say introspection and and almost having to come to terms with who you are because who you think you're going to be as a comic may not be who you turn out to be mm-hmm. you, you go into it with a fantasy of who which comic you love and all the stuff that they do and the, I'm going to do it like they do it and maybe that's not who you are maybe you're not the the Anthony jezelnick who who has me, very mean and and cruel you know one-liner jokes you, you maybe that's just not you you're a nice guy yeah you can't yeah. be you can't be a nice guy and just say truly horrible things you have to have yeah. you have to have the persona or just the you know the intellectual you know give them the intellectual authority that i can find the worst possible sen- outcome of this scenario and make you laugh about it mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a you know huge intellectual and just even confidence level to be able to do that to somebody to say yeah i'm going to ta- i'm going to talk about something dying or some you know my grandmother you know and and paint her in the worst possible light but still make you laugh about it
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about playing it safe and sports, right? So back, I've always grown up being a football guy, like always loved it, but I was five foot six. And like I said, right, 120 pounds in high school. And I was like, I can't play football. I'm too small. I'm too skinny. I can never play football. And I did it uh, in high school. And then I, so I played it safe and played what I was comfortable with, which was soccer. And I was good at it. Um, and I excelled at it, but then when I got to college, the school I went to didn't have a soccer program. And I was like, what do I do now? I was like, okay, I I guess I'll try out for the football team. I've always liked it. I've never played, put on pads before and never played tackle before. Well tackle, but you know, backyard Mm -hmm. tackle football kind of thing, but not, not with pads on and not organized football. And I went in, got pads got a helmet i was like i can't even see this through this thing i can't even uh hug my my hands can't even touch each other Mm because i've never been in Paz before right so but i was able to uh, make it through a year and um you know playing at a college level and i was like oh my gosh so different from what i knew Mm -hmm. but then i attribute that back to i was playing it safe in high school right i had i could have made the decision to play high school football which would have prepared me better for college but I didn't because I was playing it safe and I and I probably wouldn't have played in college if there was a soccer program at that college yeah. there just wasn't a soccer <laughs> program so then I next best thing for me was to go and play football
1: it's awesome but it's awesome that you were able to compete at a collegiate level and Able to, I guess, even though you only made it a year was a year that of accomplishment because, you know, you you walk in there and like you said, you're putting on real pads and real, you know, all the real equipment. Which isn't easy, like pant, That year was pad, pants, tough. Yeah, pad, yeah pants it was. Are not comfy. and Yeah.
0: Painful. I, like I said, right. I I here was not a scout team uh, playing running back. I see a hole and up. I'm running through it. And then all of a sudden here comes a six or six to like all mm-hmm. conference type safety coming downhill, like just crushing me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, look at this hole opening up and here I am trying to hit this hole. And then all of a sudden I get hit and crushed. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is what it I call fun. Right. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah it, it definitely stings. The, the things that worry me more were like the, 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 the hits where you're not on platform. Like you're not like an unprotected hit. Like, when people get hit in the spleen with a helmet, like when there's mm-hmm. no, cause you don't have a lot of pads. You have hip pads mm-hmm. for hip pointers and things like that. So they don't, but above that, if they get you a little high it's and you can't control when you're, you're coming full yeah. speed, you can't, you can't yeah. predict what they're going to do again. And so trying to play it safe, you try to turn your body and stuff to, <laughs> yeah. to, to show them some padding so that, cause that's how Emmett Smith was able to survive so long as he was able to kind of take, hits to the side rather than head on or you know he would, they would, he would basically hit him on the side of his hips and he would go down but he wasn't it wasn't like he would just throw his body in reckless abandon into a hole it was a very calculated you know okay let me come in sideways because that's gonna you know either one not let them get good grip on me and I can break through or if they do hit me they're just gonna get you know side or you know my yeah. leg and then you know, I'll go down.
0: And that's so different from here up in Minnesota where Vikings country, when we had Adrian Peterson, right? <laughs> he was the one that was seeking out people to hit as the running yeah. back. Uh, and that's why he's a sustained his injuries. And he, he's still playing right. Surprisingly yeah. uh, that he's still going, but now, I mean, if he could have avoided those hits, like you said, I mean,
1: you wonder what could have knows? been.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's also, there's also an ego in play there when you're totally that you totally that you're gonna you're going to then in a head-on collision you're gonna be the one that's still standing
0: yeah
1: and that's such a that's such a again from somebody playing it safe that's such a it's such an out there concept to just (laughs) how how can you how can you be that confident and it's the only thing I can think of is well up until that point it's always been that way I've always been the guy that's standing so Every time, even from an early age, if you're just steamrolling kids, you just have yes. that, 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 that confidence that everything I do is going to be, I'm going to be the steamroller and not the one that gets steamrolled. Yes. You know, it's wild to think that, you know, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: that, that's how a play it safe person is is like oh just always, you know, it's just a simple, it's the simple thought versus the complex thinking of what if. I don't make it well i don't think about that i just have always made it and Mm -hmm. i just always i'm always envious of that ability to not second guess
0: and then and there comes a time and and place for things right yes you've been doing that your whole life you've been steamrolling everybody but this also comes at times okay now i'm gonna step out of bounds now Mm -hmm. i'm gonna take a different approach this time around instead of always running people over steamrolling everybody and just having that different approach
1: yeah, that definitely that's what I, I envy most about people that don't play it safe is the it's just they have they have the simplest answer and it it just confounds me because it's like you mean you don't think this all of this stuff out? You don't have these you don't think about what if it didn't work. You don't you don't have a plan for that part of it, you just have the go. So I wonder how many successful comics just have that, because I feel like Good comedy writing comes from your second guesses because it's just the exaggeration of you exaggerate what could go wrong to the the most ridiculous degree. Sometimes, like if you were to share, if I were to share some of my hangups, it's like, oh, yeah, that's maybe I shouldn't say that. That's that's ridiculous that that I would think that there's going to be a time where I'm so embarrassed or that I'm so ashamed It doesn't, it just doesn't register like, cause it can be ludicrous. It can be to the point where they're just going to hate me in, you can't, there's no situation where everybody's going to hate you outside of you doing something completely, you know, uncouth, obnoxious, you know, just flat out Mm -hmm. disrespectful. There's not a time when everybody hates you.
0: And there's probably there's probably not a time that everybody loves you as well, right? Yeah. You're killing it in the room, people are laughing, dying. But there's probably one, oh, why are they why are they laughing at him? He he stinks, <laughs> or he's not even that good. He's mm-hmm. not even that funny, right? So there's always gonna be from both sides of the yeah. one or two who just kind of stick out.
1: Those are always people are always seated like right where I'm staring at the comedy club. Just literally they're like two rows back, just <laughs> a little off center. <laughs> with their, you know, just at a table comfortable for folding their arms.
0: Yeah. And, but then that's what's great as well. It's like, okay, I'm not here to serve you, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when I when I got to coach. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to serve everyone in this whole world. And now I've learned to know. I'm going to attract those who I attract. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be real and be who I am. And those who are attracted to me are attracted to me. And, and those who are not, then those aren't the ones I'm called to serve, right? Yeah. So, uh, And I've learned to um grow into that
1: and be like, and be okay with that yeah it's, uh Seth Godin wrote a couple of books that I've written like tribes and stuff like that where it's do you really want a million followers or do you want a thousand followers that that will consume everything mm-hmm. that you with the same values that you have yes it's almost like matchmaking it's like let's not just look at the superficial popularity actually connect with these people on not just a level of, oh, I think he's funny, I'm going to follow him. That they actually know who you are and pursue what you do or listen to what you do and either offer feedback or attempt what you're trying to do. So if I'm saying, you know, I really love the Hyenas Comedy Club, go to hyena that's the one down here, go to Hyenas and catch this headliner. They either, they go to Hyenas because on my recommendation then... I'd rather have a thousand of those people than a million people that just think I'm funny. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I post something, hi- hi- hyenas, I five hyenas and just swipe and move on to the next story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. You want those loyal followers. You want the ones who are going to follow you for the sake of following you and not mm-hmm. just, oh, I'm just going to click follow or I'm just going to follow just because I want to or just because I feel like it. Right. Having that uh, quality over quantity.
1: So how do you now not play it safe especially as a dad now with the stigma of the of being a dad like your kids probably think that you don't take risks like you're you're just dad like they're just minds are blown when you do something that's not dad like
0: totally and that's from from my son and daughter's perspective right so uh yes they think that dad plays it safe that that dad just makes calculated as of course calculated but that i am waiting to find out what's going to happen next before I take that step. And now it's like you said, right? It's just, I can't worry about that anymore because I can't control that. What I can control is what I'm doing right now in this moment. So to, Hey, just take action. Mm -hmm. Once I feel like my action is aligned with where I want to go or what I want to do, then I'm just taking it. And if it's not the right action, then come back, reassess it. And what are other options? And then taking that
1: uh action again that's such a great way to look at it and i'm i'm sure your kids give you tons of eye rolls when when you play it safe or like you get that that you know that's when they want yeah. to do something and you give them the calculated will because sometimes it is a re, you know it's a request that's maybe maybe let's think this through just a little bit you want you want to go do bungee jumping okay well let's and just it can seem like you're taking the fun out of it but it's also I'm adding real thought to it to really gauge how passionate you are about this. Because as a parent, I've got to protect you in some ways. I can't just let you, I can't let you just run roughshod and either, you know, today it's bungee jumping, tomorrow it's get collecting guns. Maybe we don't want to collect. Even yeah. how how noble it may be, Let's let's really gauge what you're passionate about so we can direct towards that rather than, have a bunch of fads
0: yeah and and my son is getting to the age right he's 12 so he wants to explore a little bit more mm-hmm. um but my wife and i are still like okay we have to let let him explore but also still hold him close because then we still want to teach him these life lessons that he's going to go through right really? but we're giving him a longer leash mm-hmm. and giving him options and letting him have more control over his decisions
1: yeah that's definitely got to be terrifying too as a parent because that's when you you start dropping them off at friends houses or at the mall and yeah it starts to be less less visual and less contact and then all you're doing is waiting for a text or you know then you're like look at the clock okay i told him to text me by a certain time how much more time mm-hmm. how much more time before i i get to text him and say where are you and where <laughs> is he gonna oh text-
0: we've already we've already told him Uh, when you go, my daughter is about, right? When you go to on a date with your girlfriend, boyfriend, guess where mom and dad's going to be sitting? Three rows behind you, okay? So, (laughs) (laughs) we'll always know where you're at.
1: (laughs) Just because you don't see us doesn't mean we're not watching you.
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) But yeah, it's got to be terrifying because you want the best for him, but you also, you're also afraid because it's got to be this choices that they could possibly make it could scare you it can scare you you know just i decided to to stay over at a friend's house and i didn't te- you know but you didn't text us that's got to be terrifying to the parent but as a kid you know you don't realize like because you don't realize that you're just not kind con- you know you just forgetting to text or not is no communication whatsoever
0: mm-hmm mm-hmm and those are just uh, life lessons that you'll have to teach them, right? Mm-hmm. As, you know, as they're still growing up, we're, we're still teaching them every day, telling them every day, telling, teaching them, teaching them these things so that when the, that situation does happen, they get put in the pickle, they, they get put in a bind. Are they going to make the proper decision, right? Mm-hmm. We all know they're going to, there's going to be a peer pressure. They're going to be asked to do things. They're going to be asked to do things that may be illegal, right? But. We just keep teaching them so that when they do get put in that spot, you hope that they will make that proper decision for them at that time.
1: Absolutely. So what's something that you are afraid of doing that you that you play it safe every time you that opportunity comes up to take the high risk and not Mm. because going out for the football team in college? That's pretty high risk. I will say that's that's not playing it safe.
0: I was, I was kind of forced to you do know, so.
1: <laughs> you had no alternative.
0: Yeah, I had no alternative, right? It's either 100% in football or 0% doing nothing. So. Yeah. Which <laughs> I'm glad that I did. I'm super glad that I was put in that position to make that decision to, and say, go down that road and say, oh, because I uh, have learned so much. I have taken on that experience and the time that I had for that for those two years right i played one year i was so hurt i was like oh my gosh i can't do this my back my legs everything was just aching mm-hmm. that whole year and then the following year i was like i was like i'm just gonna be the team manager i'm gonna be doing things to help out the team so because i you know you grow that bond right now it's like yeah. I'm, i still want to be part of the team um be part of it and i'll take care of you know practice stuff gears all that other stuff you know the small detail stuff
1: it's awesome. It's a, it seems like it's definitely the, the you know, a, a good decision, you know, possibly, cause you don't know, you know, when even playing, there's a finite time of playing that either injuries mm-hmm. or anything that could have made things, you know, more difficult, like jogging or I know I had a guy that I had on my show previously who does MMA and he's always terrified cause he's passionate about MMA, but it could just be something where somebody just leans on you wrong and you've got, you know, you can't hold, you can't lift them anymore because your shoulder or just a shoulder injury. So I can't pick up my kid anymore. Yeah. Like there's always, there's little risks in that too. And so to find a way to, to enjoy what you're doing, but do it also responsibly. And kind of look at the, again, like you say, for your holistic approach, you took the whole assessment of the whole situation that I still enjoy playing football, but I just, my body is not equipped and I'm, yeah. and the likelihood of me playing it anymore outside of college is fairly no. So I'm, you know, I'm either, yeah. I'm either, I'm just basically either prolonging my goodbye to playing the sport or I'm just, you know, I need to find a new way to to have that same feelings about it without yes. putting my body basically through running into a wall
0: mm-hmm.
1: eight to eight for four or five hours a day.
0: Yeah. Um where am I still playing it safe? I would say maybe when it comes to my wife, right? I mm-hmm. still play it safe with her and uh, you know, kinda
1: Extremely wise, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you think you football know, and... hurt. <laughs> so i I would say that that's one situation where i still play it safe and don't don't rock that boat too much yet (laughs)
1: and and that's something like i say y'all probably have your own time your vacations and stuff like that where you you kind of you let the kids know hey we're gonna be here for a weekend you guys survive amongst yourselves make great choices (laughs) don't don't call unless it's an emergency An emergency. An emergency doesn't mean that the cell phone's not working. That's not an emergency.
0: I don't have Wi-Fi. I can't connect. (laughs) (laughs) That's an emergency to my kids, though. Yeah.
1: I'm sure your wife would tell you there's some dis. There there's been some times I'm sure in your marriage where she's look at you like, "Who are you?" Maybe not as many as you is as you believe but I feel like there's probably some risk taking that you don't realize you're taking that she wouldn't expect you to or doing something she wouldn't expect you to be interested in where it just kind of takes her by surprise it's still something that's not playing it safe at least not to them because you you think oh that's something you probably like when I dated a girl she liked to paint I'm terrible at drawing but she offered painting with a twist and I was okay with doing it. And it kind of caught her right. off guard because that's something that even though I'm terrible at it, I'm willing to share that with you. And mm-hmm. so to me, that's where I wasn't playing it. safe. playing it safe would be like, "Oh, I'm going to let you do it with your friends. You go have fun. That would yeah. be a play it safe, but I'm sure there's moments like that that maybe don't seem high risk, but to them, you know means the world because it is kind of risky
0: one area that i i used to like big time play it safe was if i was at some conference or live event or around group of people that i don't know mm-hmm. i would not talk to anyone until someone approached me and talked to me right and and played it safe and stayed in my zone now i'm like uh-uh. i'm the one who's seeking out people like oh i'm gonna go learn who that person is i'm gonna go find out who that person is to stir up that conversation. And I'm like, no, well, it's okay. I'm going to talk to them. If we connect, we connect. If we don't, our vibes, we, we're not vibe like vibing, then I'll move on to the next person, right? There's no judgment. There's like, oh my gosh, I hate that person. No, we just didn't connect. It's okay. Move on to the next one. Move on to the next one.
1: So many things you were mentioning am like, oh, I should probably work on that myself. Okay. <laughs> like I, I am learning so much about myself that I, <laughs> how much untapped. I have, as far as things I could be doing, again you could
0: do it, Ryan. <laughs> you say that
1: you I could, but there's a lot of social anxiety that goes into that, and so it's it's getting me out of that headspace sometimes. Like I once I'm in a room with people, I'm pretty good at gliding in and out and just talking to people and not overstaying or you know being there to where it's weird. I just I tend to know everybody so I'm like okay I know their face, I know their names and I just made it a habit as a comic to do that because it's so hard it's so hard even just to do comedy it's even harder to just not know somebody's name. It's like oh who are you again? You know and just try to make an effort because you know they could be somebody that is working you know as a comic at some point. Yeah. It's not that you want to ride their coattails or anything it's just it's just you want to know who they are. So it's like, oh, I'd hate that if they didn't know who my name was. Even though I'd be like, oh, it's no big deal. But at some point, it becomes that way after a certain amount of time of doing it, which it's like football. You know, there, I'm sure the first day of tryouts for football, there's 90 people. By yes. day 15 of tryouts, there's probably like 60 to 50 to 60. So it,
0: hmm
1: you have those people that have you know the enthusiasm but don't have the drive to continue so it's like oh, yeah. oh oh i'm fast oh okay and then they realize how how often they don't get to be fast like oh i've got to block this guy i can't just run and you throw the ball to me every time no there's other there's other parts of this job there's blocking there's there's just being a decoy there's just running fast to just try yeah. to, it's not all about you and you people then realize that and it's like, Oh, and so you just slowly see people fade. And it's, that's what makes comedy so hard for new people is that you see all these experienced people, but they don't talk to you because it's, you've, they've seen so many of you start and not make it to the second open mic that it's hard to every night, the first person to try to be that friendly welcome wagon kind of person. I mean, you can try, I mean, you mean you always can always talk to people when they ask. But it's hard to to really get people to open up when they've seen so many people come in and out of that, I guess, ar- arena.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you talk about coming out for tryouts, right? And and you talk about the headspace in between our ears. That's what it is when we were when we went for tryouts. Like you said, there was, I think, I want to say like ninety six, but by the end of week one, we got down to like seventy something because it became a mental game of we we're running, we we're doing. Um, like, uh, oh my gosh, what do I want to call it? Physical conditioning, mm-hmm. right? And it will push us to the max and they will get in our faces and they would, you know, coaches be like, can you do this? You can't do this. Just give up, just give up. Like it's easier to give up, right? And they just play these mental games with us. And if you have that mental um that persistence in you and you're like, no, I'm going to show him that I can do it. And then you mm-hmm. keep going. Right. But then there's those who say, okay, yes, the easier route is to just give up. So I'm going to turn in my pads and I'm going to hang it up. Right. So then it's uh, we got down to, like you said, 70 something, 60 something. And at, at, at that group, then now it's more manageable. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I thank you for doing this, Elliot. I, I think you, I think you don't play it as safe as you believe you do because <laughs> th- that's, i
0: used to ryan i've grown out of it yes
1: <laughs> and i you, you seem to be you're, you're definitely on a path of leading other people out of getting out of their comfort zone and to maximize their their potential and really kind of accomplish some something they can be proud of is how, mm-hmm. how i guess i can say that where can people find you on social media if they need life coaching do you do you do this remote as well as just a minute or do you do this only in minnesota
0: yeah it's, it's become remote right because it is past year and it's been so awesome. Yes, we've had the pandemic and people have died and loved ones have passed. Uh, but you know, for me, I get to look at it from the other lens of saying, oh, it's been uh, great for me to be able to connect with people halfway across the world and have clients that are in parts of the world that I would have never visited or thought of visiting. but now I get to learn more about their culture, their country and their place. Um, so that's been great with that piece Um, and to answer your question yes people can find me on uh, find out more information about me and my website and that's at ElliotVang.com and that's Elliot with two L's and two T's V-A-N-G.com they can find out more information on my website
1: All right. well thanks again Elliot I look forward to talking to you again with hopefully another fear you might have Uh, hopefully you don't have just one but
0: (laughs) no I have plenty I have more (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right. Well, thanks again, Elliot. Have a great night.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Take care.
1: So that was Elliot. That was a real fun conversation. It's really exciting how he was able to walk on the football team and play college football, maybe not as a starter, but to still make a team. It's pretty, pretty incredible. It's a really heartwarming story of learning to adapt and to, to be a good parent and role model while also helping people make big decisions in their life. I really love his fear. It's something, again, I struggle with in comedy, taking risks, trying to get booked in other places that I don't know, just trying to put myself out there. It's a huge risk in comedy. Sometimes you can do that and get no response. Booking is one of the hardest parts of comedy is just getting people to have faith in you and to let you, you know, share their stage with you. It's hard to, it's hard to get your foot in the door in a lot of places. It's a very, it's a very competitive and ego driven business. So I totally relate to that fear. As far as comedy goes, I've got some shows coming up in June. Thanks to all of you guys who've come out in May and to the 325 shows in the Addison Improv. They were great times. Justin Foster absolutely destroyed the Addison Improv. Um, I will be working with Matt Sadler in June. Also, I'll be doing a lot of weekends at Backdoor Comedy Club. And then in July, I will be off to Little Rock, Arkansas to do shows at the Looney Bay with Andy Woodhull. And then Tulsa later on that month. So check it out. Uh, I'm going to update my website, ryanperio.com, for all the shows coming up. I'm really excited. Um, we had a great weekend at Backdoor last night, and I can't wait to go up. at I'm doing a podcast today with uh, Travis, for I'm a fan of, episode 28, where we talk about his fear of severe weather and how many people have really talked to him about that. It's really been Uh, one of my best episodes so far. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Travis was an amazing guest. So I guess I am now returning the favor and stepping into the guest chair for his podcast. So I can't wait to do that later on today. About to watch the Indy 500 because it's one of my Memorial Day traditions is to watch the races. And so I'm excited. Um, Check next week. I will start releasing the live episodes of my podcast that i recorded i'm just going to try to split them up some will be short i apologize for that it's due to the time constraints of doing a live show and having other other people behind me using my space i had to kind of condense the interviews so i may release some of them as a group i haven't really decided i think i'm going to try to do them just one at a time though i thank you guys for listening to the sum of all fears podcast Uh, we'll keep them coming Thanks for listening. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh20. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olsen for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, gunnerolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears, Instagram, Twitter. You can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans.com. S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger and... It's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there and you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening.